Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. If you like to eat, drink, and be merry, you're in the right place. Faith here with a welcome toast. It was Winston Churchill who said, Most people hate the taste of beer to begin with. It is, however, a prejudice that many people have been able to overcome. Please feel free to consume this show podcast in small bites or eat the whole thing. Welcome, everybody. This is the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I'm Chris Prosper. Faith is out, so the gang and I are running the show. Cheese lovers, this one's for you. New Haven's own Jason Sobosinski of Casius, Ordinary, and the Cheese Truck joins the party once again. Jason, who could talk cheese for days, gives us ideas for a fall cheese plate. Our resident wine guy will guide us through the best cheese and wine pairings. Plus, we'll taste some Oktoberfest beers, and I'll give you a recipe that works with Oktoberfest and the entire tailgating season. Go Huskies! I'm in the studio with senior contributor Alex Province, senior producer Robin Doyen Aiken, and our special guest, always good to have him, Jason Sobosinski. Hey, everybody. Hey, 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 hey. Right. Welcome, Jason. Thanks for Are we ready me. to get started? <laughs> can we can smell are. the cheese. <laughs> 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 so let's, let's start with a confession. I put together, when I have get togethers at my house, especially girls' night, that sort of thing, I put together the most embarrassing, boring cheese plate. Oh, that I know oh, that's that, not, that, that person, can't be too true. I know. <laughs> so I'll tell you what's on it, and then please give me some help. So I have the very basics. You know, I'm talking about cheddar, a Swiss, maybe a Munster with some wheat crackers and bread, grapes, and maybe if I'm feeling especially confident, I'll have some honey or something like that. So you're she, in the right direction. She sounds so sad, though. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, are you, give, give her some confidence, Jason. Well, she sounds like she's going to cry. Are you, are you just not excited? Excited about the cheeses that you're putting out? Are they? Uh... I think it's that I maybe don't know enough about cheese to know how to do it in a very interesting way. So I pick cheeses that I know everybody eats, that I know everybody likes. Let me ask you this: after you're putting out this, which sounds like a pretty ubiquitous but not terrible cheese board. Are people commenting on it? Are they talking about it? Are there oohs and ahs, or is there silence? Well, Does there's a lot of drinking. Work with the, the, the wine or beer <laughs> that you've wine. put out? Um, and is there a bunch left over at the end of the, the get-together? I always put cheese back in the fridge after. Yeah, you're serving the wrong cheese. <laughs> wow. That's, there it is. There it there's is. a good indication. The, yeah, you the, put it out, and it goes right back. <laughs> That's if right. you're if you're putting it back in the refrigerator, then you're probably serving the wrong cheese. But I I would also say that there is no wrong cheese. I love all cheeses. Me too. You know I know we're we're gonna talk about tailgating later. I'm into whiz at times too. <laughs> I, uh, you know so I don't oh, want to come across as a, steak as a sandwiches. Right? Yeah, yeah. And cheese whiz is a neat, with whiz. Yeah, you know, with whiz. Um, I don't want to come across can. as, yeah, as being the can. Oh, oh no, I'm gonna put my foot yeah, down. Yeah, there. yeah. okay, come it's on. Actually, I'll even do the can. I'll even do the can. All right, but go. But but let's. Let's, let's define cheese as milk coagulated. I like to say that cheese is first and foremost made with milk. Um, a lot of your whizzes or your cheese foods, those are actually 
made with oils and also like vegan cheese. I don't subscribe to that. I don't mm-hmm. recognize it. So I'll just put that out there. Besides <laughs> right. that, I love all cheese. <laughs> a little disclaimer. Um, except for. <laughs> yeah. So we're, you know, we're, we're getting right into autumn. And I like to think very seasonally when it comes to cheese. And I like to be mm-hmm. simple. We recommend no more than three cheeses for the beginning of like a get-together and maybe even less if you're mm-hmm. putting cheese out for afterwards. If you want to go really simple and you don't want to spend a ton of money right now, classic cloth-bound cheddars Ooh, in the English style. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cabot cloth-bound is what we have here in the studio. Uh, it's, I've seen that in markets, right? Cabot cloth-bound yeah. is, is one of the most yeah. award-winning American cheeses. This is yeah. a combination effort between the brothers, Andy and Mateo, at Jasper Hill Farm yeah. in Greensboro, Vermont, and the Cabot Collective. It includes uh, milk from Connecticut, It includes milk from all over New England. And keep in mind, when you are a farmer that's producing milk for Cabot, you're essentially an owner of the company. And they're making some really solid, good-eaten cheddars. So Cabot Clothbound, they're bringing milk in from select farms. They're adding cultures to that milk that really bump up the flavor. An ingredient that's added to cheese that a lot of people don't know about are cultures. And these are strains of of bacteria, essentially, that are coming from France, they're coming from the United States, and they just add the flavors that really push the cheese over the top. Mm. For me, I get like round, rich white chocolate with like hints of tobacco, smoke. It's sharp, but it's subtle, and it's got this sweet finish. This cheese is aged for quite some time in caves at Jasper Hill that have been dug out. They can age thousands of wheels at a time. They actually have a guy on a forklift that goes around and hand-turns these cheeses. They are really heavy, really intense, labor-intensive process. What's the cloth to? It is wrapped around the cheese and then larded. Actually. Yeah, they, they use fat. This is a traditional English style. It seals in moisture, but allows the cheese to breathe. You can mature the cheese very slowly. This is called affinage, the art of aging yeah. cheese. You can really develop really rich, round flavors without drying the cheese out. I have uh, a question about aging because that's another confusing thing. When you go to the supermarket, and a lot of people do buy their cheeses in regular supermarkets, you see, you see things that are, right, the cheese case, the middle aisle kind of sure, thing. Yep. You see things like uh, three months, six months, one year, 18 months. Is that something that you do for different styles of cheese boards? I mean, why choose a six-month over an 18-month or an 18-month over a six-month? Especially when it comes to cheddars, it's going to come down to the intensity of sharpness. Mm -hmm. The older, the more aged the cheese is, the drier it's going to be, the more intense the flavors are going to come through. It's just like wine. It can vary from different cheeses. Producers, right? And producers, cultures they've added. Can it go too far? You can certainly go too far. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's lots of examples of Alpine cheeses that I buy (laughs) where I feel like sometimes they've gone too far in the age. And it's taken a cheese that had a subtle, round, sweet flavor and almost yeah. made it too almost in the Parmesan region. And I like Parmesan, so, so let's it keep goes it that. Mac you know? and cheese or so, something? But, it gets ground up. Yeah. <laughs> mac and cheese. Okay, so taste it. See what you like. Buy Gotta a taste few, it. Yeah, buy the types you want to explore. Go to cheese tastings, I guess. Uh, right? Caseus, we have at least two cheese classes a month. I might They're, need one of Robin, those. Robin, <laughs> Robin, do you want to sign up now? Um, how, I can, do. how do we sign up? On our website, caseysnewhaven.com, we have an Eventbrite link. We okay. put them up. Usually there's five, six, seven cheeses, depending on what the theme of the class is, and we pair them with either wines or beers. Basically, you're going to walk through 
from a light cheese down to a very strong cheese and adding strength and whatever the libation is. And you're going to learn about the story of the cheese. In Holland, they have these cheese slicers. It seems like how you cut a cheese affects how a cheese tastes. Yes. So we will definitely talk about proper cheese cutting. cutting. You want to make sure. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know, when you have just, a small okay. form of cheese where you're going to buy the whole wheel, it's yeah. really important that if you're going to put it out on your cheese plate, that you leave it whole. One of the things that drives me crazy when I see a cheese plate is when the cheese is cut into cubes or With slices. Toothpick. Yeah, yeah. Toothpicks you know, already I, in it. That yeah. cheese. I do that all the time. Oh, I know. I know. It's you know it's ease uh, so that your your guests can come and grab a bite. But that cheese is being exposed to the air and the environment, drying and it's out. drying out, and oh. then it's so. Terrible for it. So and if you when can you leave, put your cheese away, Robin, see? that makes perfect sense. I really love to do simple. And so if I were to have some friends over, I would probably get a big old hunk of Cabot cloth bound, and mm-hmm. I would put it on either a board or just a plate. Beautiful. Cheese this board is you made yeah. For this us. this board that I brought is is an old bread peel. Or use um, a cutting board, a large wooden cutting board, right? You can use piece a large lumber. wooden cutting yeah. board. You can actually, you say a piece of lumber jokingly, but you yeah. can go to Home Depot and you yeah. can get scrap sections of oak. Bring yeah. those home, sand them, and butcher yeah. block yeah. oil them. Yeah. And they or make wax them. Awesome. Or cheese plates. We also do slates are really great. Yeah. But yeah. simple is best. So if, if you can greet your guests with a, a big old slab of Cabot cloth bound, some sliced apples, maybe a very dry sparkling cider, mm. just a glass of it to start. That's a great way. All right, so take us into another cheese. So, so we're going to do a cheddar. So this is Robin's new cheese plate. In the fall, I love Gouda. It's rich. It's sweet. Everyone loves it. It's really robust and it'll please the soul. And I brought two different and Goudas. They get, yeah, the longer me. you age them, the stronger. And like the one you have has the crystals in it. We brought the Pradera. That's a seven-year aged cow's milk Gouda. It has the crystals, which are mm-hmm. tyrosine crystals. This tells you that the cows were outside Eating grass. Ooh, grass yeah. has protein. Nice. Way more protein in grass than there is in feed. Okay. I got to back you up just a little bit. Yeah. Though. Gouda cheddar. Absolutely. What so, is the difference between Gouda so cheddar? Because to, the names are... So the process by which you make cheddar, you do a, a cheddaring. So you cut your curds into pretty large slabs and you stack them on top of each other, moving them constantly. Okay. Sort of lowering your pH. So it becomes acidic. Exactly. Because of the process in making cheddar, most cheddars are actually lactose-free. All Cabot cheddars are lactose-free. No kidding. All right, now Gouda. So Gouda. So Gouda is made in We're not going to call it Gouda. You can call it. We can can do the Gouda. We do have two uh, really beautiful traditional Dutch Goudas here. The process that you make Gouda is before you take your curds and put them into forms, and that's where you get the forma, formaggio, you actually drain all the way out. Okay. And the clear liquid. The of. clear liquid, yep. The liquid component and the whey is what you get, you know, ricotta from. Mm-hmm. It's what you feed your pigs to make parma prosciutto, all those wonderful things. You drain the whey out, but then you add fresh water back into the vat. And you okay. do a process called washing the curds. You wash away a lot of the lactic acid that's present okay. in there. And that's where you get that, like, sort of tanginess, that uh-huh. bitterness. So I'm wondering if water then, I'm sure, like, where this stuff is made in the water source plays a role in the water, minerals. Water is else. very important in cheese production. There's actually a lot more water than people would think. Wow. And that makes it a milder cheese then, right? Well, not what as it, sharp, not as What acidic. it does is it, make, it makes it sweeter. Sweeter. Okay. The lactose sugars get to come through because they're not fighting with the acid. And that's why these goudas are sweet So you have the bright. lactose, the sugar. All right, now uh-huh. I'm getting it. So, Robin, right? An acidic cheese, the, sharp, the sharp cheddar. Set, yep. cheddar. And then we're going to play off number two cheese on your cheese boards, a sweet cheese. There is a thinking process building your cheese board. There's a purpose. The, other, sure. thing, the uh, other thing I just want to touch on, these are pretty hard cheeses. 
So in the summertime, I like pasta filata cheeses. I like soft okay. water cheeses. I like fresh mozzarella, bright fetas. I like fresh chev. These are light, soft cheeses. And Sauvignon get Blanc into... territory. Exactly. And exactly. as we get into fall. As we get into fall and things become crisper. It's funny. It's colder out, but it's warmer inside. These are sit by the fire and nice. eat these cheeses. You wouldn't want to do that with a buffalo mozzarella. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things I notice, um, if I leave hard cheeses out to come to temperature, room temperature, they taste so much better than if they're icy cold out of the refrigerator. All Absolutely. Yeah. The oils start coming out a little bit too. They'll and sweat. They just become, yep. I love right. that. Yep. So Robin, do you I may it? be guilty of picking a lot of safe cheeses, but I do know that I need to take them out at least awesome. like a half an hour ahead of time so that awesome. they're not so cold that the flavor doesn't come through at Very all. Cool. That's good, but don't cut them up anymore. We're I'm gonna- not. We don't like that. I know. So take us home for our third cheese. Now, if we really want to cross over into the connoisseur range, and I don't mean that to sound snotty because I know the people that make these cheeses, and they're the least snotty people in the world. And what they do is they eat – They're they're farmers. They Mm -hmm. eat the cheese that they wouldn't sell to you. And they and you know what they eat it with? Yep. They eat it with a loaf of bread. Yep. And that's it. Maybe yep. no fancy chutneys, no, no. no roasted I, I, pears. You know, when no. I when I was working at a small goat farm just outside of Millbury, Vermont, every day we would pick the ugliest, most beat up, deformed cheese. Yep. We'd bring it up. We'd have a crusty loaf of bread yeah. and that a beer. Lunch. <laughs> Maybe some mustard. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And that was the most satisfying Whatever lunch. that baguette that you brought, yep. that with like, yeah. you know, a bite full of the uh, cloth bound. I mean, that and a splash of wine, it's it's, it's so heaven. cliche, but it's so it's good. Heaven, yeah. Oh, my God. So the next cheese. level is going to be something that's like your camembert. I brought a pretty strong fermier camembert um, from Normandy. It's great for the fall. It works perfectly with apples. But okay. if you want to go next, next level... Yeah, I want to talk about your cheese. That next, yeah, next level. What... Then we're going to go into wash rind cheeses. Yeah. So your wash rind cheeses, they're washed with either an alcohol or a lot of times just a, a saltwater brine. And what does that do? What that does is it brings out a bacterium called B linens, Brebby linens, which give a sort of funky uh, orange-ish tint to the rind, creates a thicker rind. Now, that thickness of the rind makes it so that as the cheese ages, it begins to cook itself. Lactic acid is moving its way out. It hits the rind that you've created by yeah. washing. It goes back into the cheese and starts cooking it. So as you look at one of these pieces of cheese, you'll see that the center sometimes is a lot firmer, but closest oh, to the sure. rind. It has a little liquid. So, so when you say liquid. cooking, is it like how you how it's an acid cooks it's ceviche? Like ceviche. So, you exactly. know, just the yep. proteins are being denatured. They're just breaking down. All right, Got so it. give us some names so, so we know what to recognize. So you guys have the you guys have the camembert fermier. Um, yep. I brought a real deal Munster there we go. from okay. from Alsace. Yeah. Um, that has that, a natural that's, color. That's yeah. got that funky. Uh, and then I brought a, a new cheese. It's actually an old cheese that we've sort of uh, retooled called Sea Change from the Mystic Cheese and Company. And this is your cheese company. Made here in Connecticut yeah. by Brian Civitello cool. uh, up in Lebanon in a Gotta shipping love container. That. I love that. It's awesome. I like these cheeses for the fall because they are so robust. They're big. They're stinky. They, they, uh-huh. They're fatty. They fill your <laughs> mouth with fat, which is the perfect opportunity to then take a really nice fall wine that's crisp yeah. and you know a little bit a little yeah. heavier and wash that down. Or an Oktoberfest beer, yeah. a lager, <laughs> a Marzen, and just kind of wash that out. That to me is – that's heaven. That's yeah. fall. Well, now that I know what – I should be putting on my cheese yeah. plate. I need to know what I should be serving to drink with that. But you're good. You got a good but, basis now. But yeah. Robin, I just want yeah. to make sure to say that, you know, you can do this in the supermarket, but 
Mm-hmm. Find a, a great, reputable cheese shop. If anyone tells you you can't taste the cheese, don't buy it. Turn around. Find a new cheese shop because you should be able to taste everything you yes. buy. Yeah. The cheeses are – they're intimidating. They, they smell funny. They look funny. They're expensive. So make sure that you love it and try everything. How do you awesome. preserve them? So if you're going to go – because cheeses can be like 20-something dollars a, a pound. So you buy this stuff. How do you – So a couple tips that I have. preserve a, it at home? A great cheese shop will wrap uh, your cheese up in cheese paper. Okay. It is specially formulated paper. It's like a wax paper almost it's, it's almost like a parchment but it has breathability. Okay. So you can let the cheese breathe. Cheese alive it needs to breathe i like to separate my cheese so because you know i eat a lot of vegetables fresh i take the vegetable crisper draw get the vegetables out of there make it a cheese cheese cave make it a cheese cave put all your cheeses in there if you can't do that a nice tupperware that you open up every day and sort of burp you don't want your cheese sitting next to your chicken coming in exactly (laughs) okay the cheese will taste like whatever is in your refrigerator so sort of separate it out separating it out is really important and right. I know at the very end when we, we have a cheese drawer, I'm going to call it cave now. So. Yeah, it's a cave. So as, as we end up it. with these like scraps, though, I save all those and I make the best macaroni and cheese like totally. at, you yep. know, every and, like couple of months. And, I go and you know, and uh, our good buddy Jacques Papin, he taught it, me yeah. food processor, all your ugly bits. Grind them up. Grind them up, a little bit of fresh lemon juice and a little bit of honey. Get that into a nice sort of like spreadable, schmearable mm. on a baguette, under the broiler. Nice. Best thing in the world. Oh, wow. like, and it tastes different all the time. Because every time it's putting, different. Yeah, because exactly. Different Coming up, Alex will take us through, right, the next part of our cheese plate, which is choosing the right wine. There are so many excellent Oktoberfest beers to try right now. We'll talk about some favorites, including those from local breweries like Two Roads in Stratford and Black Hog in Oxford. Grab a bowl of pretzels. These beers are fresh, hoppy, and crafted by masters. We hope you make a charitable donation to help feed the hungry. This is the time when food pantries across the state work especially hard to serve their communities. Give if you can. We'll be right back. Okay, hope that first bite of the food schmooze felt like a hot biscuit with butter coming your way. Feel free to tell your food-loving friends worldwide they can enjoy the show and our online site at foodschmooze.org. Here's your second bite. Reminds you every week about our podcast because we never want you to miss a drop of pleasure. Sign up for it on our site, foodschmooze.org, and the podcast automatically pops up in your podcast feed every week. Go to our homepage, click the tab that says Get the Podcast. It's simple and it's free. I'm senior producer Robin Doyon Aiken, and I'm in the studio with Faith's food buddies and cheese lovers, Chris Prosperi, chef and co owner of Metro Beast and Simsbury, and wine broker Alex Province. Our special guest is hyperlocal Jason Sobosinski of Caseus Ordinary, my favorite bar in New Haven. It's how I start every date night with my husband. (laughs) I have the bee's knees and the grilled cornbread. (laughs) Um, You can also find Caseus Cheese on the cheese truck where you can get the best grilled cheese sandwich in town. The world. Yeah. (laughs) The world. I'm sorry, Jason. You're right. 
Okay. In our last segment, the guys taught me what I should be putting on my fall cheese plate. I feel completely educated now. I'm ready. Now I want to know what I should be serving for wine. Alex, can you help me? Yes, (laughs) I'm happy to. I brought in a couple, a white and a red. The first myth is that all cheese goes with red wine, and that's not true. No, Oftentimes, no. whites go better than red, uh, using like Rieslings and Gewürztraminer, and those are great cheese. Acid. And a little bit of residual sugar Absolutely. plays off stuff. But I did also want to bring a classic aged Bordeaux, so I brought a 2009 vintage, which is a spectacular year, and I thought we would do a little taste test. Everyone has a piece of the cloth-bound cheddar. Is it better with red or better with white? The Bordeaux is going to go really well. You think with so? This. I suspect it will. Okay. Nice. I've done it once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> Alex talking from <laughs> lots of experience. <laughs> This is this is how you learn about great pairings. Red wine, big Bordeaux have tannins, and they bind to fat. And so this fatty cheese is in your mouth when you try the Bordeaux. It's wonderful. The tannins will stick to the fat, and you'll get wow. this really fun mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It brings the cheddar to a new place in my mouth. Mm. Right? It's pretty good. Oh, yeah. That works for me. So if I got the cloth-bound cheddar, sure. any Bordeaux? Bordeaux can be incredibly expensive, and there can be really inexpensive bad ones. You sort of have to go to a good wine shop, like all good things. Go to a good cheesemonger, and these guys can steer you. Talk it out. The yeah. one that I brought mm-hmm. is called Eau Castanet. It's made by this guy named Jean-Luc Tuavan, who is famous for being a garagiste. Okay. He was the first guy who started making wines like, I love it. in a garage. <laughs> That's what I was and like. He, I know what that means. <laughs> he really turned... Um, Bordeaux on its head. He bought a vineyard on the wrong side of Saint Emilion and he would just pull off the green leaves. He would pull off green fruit just to produce a really special wine in a garage. This wine is yeah, I love how much? This is about $18. It's not bad. It's called Eau Castanet. He's the, the bad boy of Bordeaux, so it's kind of fun. So, <laughs> so Robin, write that down, right? Yeah. Oh, no, we have yeah. it on our website. That's but, right. I will post a picture of the wine and a description of it, too, on foodschmooze.org. Another classic saying that we use is uh, what grows together goes together. Agreed. These regional cheeses oftentimes come from wine regions as well, and so mm-hmm. the cheese complements the wine. So I brought a Sauvignon Blanc from a region from the Loire called okay. Sancerre. The Loire and Sancerre, they're famous for their goat, goat cheese. cheese yeah. And yeah. you brought a beautiful goat cheese. So the idea is we should pair it with that goat cheese, which has great acidity. And Sancerre has great acidity. So now we're Love playing it. off the awesome. uh, harmony there. Sancerre has minerals, so it tastes like... Um, I always use the example like drinking um, Poland Spring that has, you know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, spring. Yeah. It tastes like, you know, like irony yeah. and some minerals. And then it also has fruit, and that comes from these two soil types. So you guys want to try some of the cheese? Yeah. And it's not, you know, it's not, not from the Loire, but it's a goat cheese. So yeah. I like your thought process. I really like this one. Make sure you coat your whole mouth mm-hmm. with that fat. Mm. So that goat cheese mm-hmm. is absolutely incredible. Everyone has now a piece of goat cheese. Mm-hmm. We're going to do the uh, Sancerre. So Sancerre mm-hmm. is the region. The grape is Sauvignon Blanc. This one's called Serge Laporte, L-A-P-O-R-T-E. It's this, this one brings the fruit forward yeah. in, the, in the wine See, really the nicely. that's the cool thing. Is it's not just changing the cheese flavor. No, the wine Sometimes changes. it changes the wine as mm, well, big time. right? Yeah. <laughs> I always say a great pairing is not necessarily, I love the wine. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. the cheese or the beer mm-hmm. and the cheese. Mm-hmm. A really great pairing is when you're not crazy or over the moon about either one. But when you have them together, that's it. It transcends. 
So how much is this one? Sanseres are expensive yep. because they can't be imitated. $27 a okay. bottle. If you wanted to do the same experiment, you could find a Sauvignon Blanc from a different region and you so know, this replicate is, what This is a doing. really nice date night wine. Yeah, yeah and I'm yeah. thinking this is also when you come home from dinner. So you date night, you go out yeah. to dinner, Robin, come home, you have the cheese already out on the counter, the wine in the fridge ready to go. You sort know, of extend the with, night. With wine, the idea is that you have people that are drinkers, pour whatever is in their glass. That's when you bring up the wholesome, simple yeah. $10, $15 wines. Then there's other wines that a lot of energy went into making them, and that's when you want to use a nice glass. You want to be with people that like wine. And, and you, you want to have, have a nice piece of cheese yeah, to go you along want some with some nice it. cheese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're going for the experience, this, this is, is it. the so, yeah. so a nice goat cheese with a Sancerre, right? So some other classic pairings that we didn't um, bring in, but port and blue cheeses. is oh, like sure. Absolutely. Know, a British Sweet. Stilton and some port would be incredible. If, you know, there's any white burgundy drinkers, that would have also worked with the hard cheeses that we brought. People who like sweeter whites, that would also have gone really nicely with your stinky cheeses. They always say like a Gewürztraminer or Riesling or Sauterne. A good rule of thumb is if you have a, a really sort of smelly, stinky, robust cheese, something sweet. So That's fortified port, wines yeah. are awesome. Marsalas, yeah. ports. Yeah. So what about champagne or sparkling? Oh, it goes with everything. It, you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it would, right? It would pair with all those cheeses yeah. on the board. So champagne yeah, loves salt. It yeah, loves yeah. fat. Yeah. loves french fries, it potato chips, cheese. <laughs> I have never me. done a champagne and french fry tasting. Well, oh, maybe that's, yeah. our, that's your next like, case. Yeah. It sounds like a Pou- dinner. Poutine yeah. and champagne. It's the salt and fat. And then the bubbles sort of clean your mouth out. Oh, and uh, Yes. All right, Robin, are you, Robin you, I, think, I want to be invited to your next party. <laughs> Because I know what the cheese plate and the wine are going to be. French fries and champagne. Yeah. Uh, my, my game is so upped right now that yep. all of a sudden people are going to be looking forward to All uh, your friends are listening, so you better you got to come through now. <laughs> I know. I have to deliver. So let's change gears a little bit to what we should be drinking for Oktoberfest. Oh, yeah. Love yeah. Oktoberfest beers. Oktoberfest. They, right, they've been out for a little while now. Because technically Last o- Saturday. Oktoberfest is in September. Yeah. I, it should be, yeah. Right, it, it runs exactly. through the – so the, the, the middle of September uh, until the first Sunday of October, I okay. believe. But it's called Oktoberfest. And the traditional beer to drink since the late 1700s when the festival was started mm-hmm. in honor of a King Ludwig in Bavaria, in Munich, uh, Bavaria, yeah. Germany, was Marzen. And so now a Marzen, uh, a Marzen is a lager yeah. uh, that is made in March and slowly ferments. As oh, loggers do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm into, counting on my fingers yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. many months? Slowly ferments into and through the summer. Back in you know the 1800s, this was a really dark beer. Okay. Over the years, it's gotten lighter and lighter yeah. into what I think is the quintessential fall beer. It, it's sort of amber yeah. in color. It's you round. It's honey, rich. And you yeah, taste it. Honey. 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 I get, honey, I honey. get maltiness. Yeah. I mm. get tons of round, sort of subtle honey notes. Yeah. Which also play really nicely with cheddars, things like that. And these type of beers remind me of wet hop beers, which I brought from Black Hog. Yeah, let's also start with out. that one. So that's like a your style of well. So so wet hop beers have been around for a while. Okay, 
Hops are rhizomes. They only produce hop cones once a year. Okay. Um, they grow in vines, usually straight up. And the hop cones is what they harvest to make the beer? So yeah. it's like a pine cone almost? It, it, it almost looks like a pine cone, but much smaller, depending on the... There's so many different hop varieties. There's varieties that are, are really citrusy. There's varieties that taste like onions and garlic. So when you say wet, though, is it just like spinach is wet? Because hops are only harvested once a year, and okay. it's usually around the end of August, beginning of September, most hops are harvested... And it's a labor-intensive process. You have to have a fancy machine. New England is actually a terrible place to grow hops. But we are growing some we are, in We are growing some. It's a hard climate. But yeah. they, they take those hops. What's they, a good climate? Like Bavaria or something? Uh, Germany, is, Germany is pretty well known. But the Pacific Northwest is awesome. Uh, okay. Right. So, so milder you want, and you wetter. Want, you want a little bit milder. You want some dry climate, too. We have a lot of humidity. And that humidity causes downy mildew. Okay. And so once a hop plant gets downy mildew, it's all over. the crop is over. And remember, it's one crop a year so okay. a hop farmer really has to be careful so this year has been good then this was a good crop typically most of the hops that we use and a lot of a lot of places use they're dried they're nitrogen cooled into a powder and then pelletized to, to you, make beer all year long you have to you pick have them to dry and them. so and so you, you pick preserve them, them. Yeah. yeah yep you pick them at their prime and if you open up a, a hop flower or a hop cone, you'll see sort of a yellow powder inside that's the lupulin okay. that's where you get this Big hop flavor. That's bitter. where you get floral, bitter, tannic. Okay. That's where you get, depending on the hop. We use a hop called Chinook that tastes like pineapples. We wow. use a hop called Nugget that tastes like uh, and marijuana. Tastes um, like what? We, uh, we actually at Blackhawk <laughs> up in up in Oxford. Which you are. That's your that, brewery. That's yep. That's my brewery. <laughs> Myself, my yep. brother Tom, and and our master brewer, the Lord of the Liquid. We call him. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler Jones. So what we've done Crack is it open there, Alex. All right. we've found a farm. They go and cut the vines down for oh, us, okay. uh, and we stand there and we pick the cones, the hop cones. Yeah. Uh, usually it's about 10 of us for about six to seven so hours. So each vine has how many of these? Well, if you do it right, you can have hundreds. Really? Wow. These okay. are you like... ready? Yeah. yeah. Ready. Pop Favorite it. Pop it. Nice. That's very sexy. <laughs> <laughs> we right, hand pick away. these hops, and, yeah. and we get them into our kettle. Yeah. Where you would traditionally use dried hops, these are going into a big cheesecloth bag, fresh. So breathable. So what, what is the difference in flavor between the fresh and the dried? So the dried is going to give you that really bitter, yeah. hoppy. hoppy. People flavor. say hoppy. Like which, an IPA. Yep. Hops are preservatives, and an IPA is an ale that is hopped enough so that it can make the trip from England to the Indian islands. No, to get spices, so that's where it got the and name. And that's where you get that name. Out. They're able to preserve the beer and make it so that it's potable for a very long time I, on a ship. I just call it Black this. Hog. Uh, I have three children. For every one of their birthdays, I roast a pig, mm. and nice. we <laughs> sit around and drink beer while the pig roasts for a very long time, and I always use Berkshire pigs, and yep. those are black hogs. Yes. We yep. wanted to name the brewery after something that we love, which is sitting around with friends and family and drinking yep. beer. Wow. Um, I love it. This is so refreshing. I love so it. So this, this is not a Marzen style. We okay. make ales, not lagers, yep. uh, because of the, the way they ferment takes such a long time. But, but I would take this from my Oktoberfest this but year. And look out for wet hop beers yeah. because there are so many breweries now, that are making them the now. This particular one, yep. Connecticut Love Bomb, is sold just at the brewery. Don't make That's enough right. of it's it to, to get it out I'm there. on my way. Yeah. So, so, Robin, you were saying how you went into a wine shop or a package store. You were asking for Oktoberfest, and you were curious what the definition of that specifically because yeah. they were yeah. trying to sell you pumpkin well, beer, well, Yeah, too. exactly. Right. They, were, they were showing me a bunch of seasonal beers. Mm -hmm. So they showed me some pumpkin beers, which I love. 
love, you know, but I wanted real true Oktoberfest beer. Oktoberfest with a K. Yes. A K T O B E. And Jason actually brought us one. A true German authentic Bavarian festival lager. So remember, Oktoberfest is the world's largest beer festival. People travel from all over the world. And they drink yeah. beer. Technically, there are five different Oktoberfest official brews, but okay. then lots of other traditional brews yeah. are making this Marzen style. And this is this is my personal favorite yeah. one. What, this what is, is called it? the Iyengar oh, Oktoberfest Marzen, yeah. and I I love this. I just feels like I'm drinking fall. Mm-hmm. Like I can see myself sitting in that beer garden in Germany because I've been there a few times and sitting there and drinking this. Well, it Chris, I can by... picture you in okay. some Lederhosen. Oh, yeah. So... And, no, listen, I'm Austrian. I <laughs> yes. have Lederhosen. So, yeah, I can show you some pictures. Oh, wait. Before we move on to other Oktoberfest, speaking of beer gardens, yes. there might be one coming here yes, soon. You know, I started KCS on my own, but yeah. everything that I've worked on since has been with amazing partners. Mm-hmm. And so I've got two good buddies that are up in Hartford. Jamie the Bear McDonald from Bear love Smokehouse. Bear Smokehouse. Yep, we Killer love him. barbecue. We love yeah. him. Also, just really jive with his philanthropic spirit. Yeah. The guy gives more of his profits, time, yeah. effort Energy. to charity than you can possibly imagine. He drives imagine. down south to do some charity. He, he brings barbecue. Yeah. If you need some mm, aid, yeah. Jamie's there. Yeah. The guy yeah. is a special guy. Jamie teamed up with another good friend of mine, Tyler Anderson. And from that's right soon, right? That's, yep, Cook, that's right? the cook and the bear. So you got yeah. Bear. Uh, who's Jamie? And he's the barbecue it's in West pit Hartford, master. Going yep. in West Hartford. O- opening in, uh, soon. In Blueback. Opening soon. I don't yes. have a, a solid know. date. But you've got a James Beard nominated chef yeah. in Tyler. And then you've got a pit master. Uh-huh. And they're coming together to take great barbecue yeah. and elevate it. And you're going to add? I have a concept. I have a space. I have someone who wants to do something. It's in New Haven. It's at the old bus terminal on the corner of State and James. Yeah. An area that I want to see really develop. And so we're going to go in there. The space is called District. It's going to have a bunch of different outlets. It's going to be attached to an amphitheater. We're going to have a 5,000-square-foot outdoor beer garden with a cook and the bear attached to (laughs) it. Um, And we're also going to be be brewing brewing beer on site. Oh, very Uh, cool. It'll be a year from now. Right now, remediations are happening. They're digging down. They're doing all this work. You heard it here first. Yes. Maybe they'll be open in time for Oktoberfest next year. Uh, I hope so. (laughs) Now, one more Oktoberfest beer. I want to make sure we mention two. Two Roads makes, it is called Oktoberfest because, (laughs) you know, two roads and they're clever over there. So a local real deal Oktoberfest beer that we had here that we loved. It's smooth. Beautiful label. mm -hmm, It's crisp. They do good beers. Great people. Amazing people. Great community. They're they're awesome. Phil Markowski is the brewmaster there. That guy's a legend. Yeah. Loved it. So we were laughing uh, at Noah's on September 17th at noon. They had a keg of Spaten. They wouldn't allow us to have any until 12 noon. Yes, there's an official kickoff. Uh-huh. And I, maybe, maybe it, it was started that, in yeah. Germany to, to stop people from getting Starting drunk on the first day. <laughs> I don't know. Did you get it at 51? Did you have one at 12 yes, noon? Yes, we had the first two pints. Of course you did. The third guy to get his gets a liter, and they actually bring out like a liter glass which Stein. you know i i calculated weighs probably eight pounds oh yeah you know so just let a... me say watch out for that boot if they give you one of those yeah. the boot the air bubble exists and you will get a face full at the end <laughs> i promise you coming up after this break the most essential of oktoberfest foods outside of pretzels and it's super easy to make 
brats and sauerkraut. Chris dusted off one of his slow cookers and is getting you ready for your weekend tailgate. Join us in supporting our local food growers and food makers. For on-demand podcast delivery of the Food Schmooze every week and for Faith's food, wine, cocktail, restaurant recommendations and to watch our short videos and get all the info on local artisans and recipes we feature, we're always online talking with you at foodschmooze.org. Stay with us for Chris's recipe. We'll be right back. Und so kam er in den Himmel und man hat ihm Milch serviert. Gegen diese Art Behandlung hat der Lümmel protestiert. Schnaps, das war sein letztes Wort. We have one more mouthwatering bite of the Fuchmus coming up. Here's something great to know about. Sign up for the app called NPR One. Just download it from the iPhone App Store or your Android device. And once you do, you can set WNPR as your local station. Couldn't be easier. Download the free app NPR One and start listening. Let's party on more Fuchmus. This is the Food Schmooze Party offering the richness of life. Coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including Westchester County, the east end of Long Island, of course, the Hamptons. To hear the show on WNPR, it airs Thursdays at 3 and Saturdays at noon. Podcasts and Faith's curated recommendations are always online at foodschmooze.org. And we're on Facebook, too, every day. You are the most fun crowd to talk to on Facebook, and we so appreciate you. Find us by searching Faith Middleton. Faith is away, but no worries. She'll be back soon. I am Robin Doyon Aiken. I produce today's show with lots of help from these phenomenal guys, Chris Prosperi of Metro Beast and Simsbury and wine broker Alex Province. Jason Sobosinski of Casius Ordinary and the Cheese Truck is our very special guest. If he's not careful, we're going to make him a regular. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. Chris made us a slow cooker bratwurst and sauerkraut dish, and it was awesome. I should say last night I made it. (laughs) Well, that's right. We ate it. No, but because because it's uh, made in one of the slow cookers. So that's why I made it last night. One of the 14? No, there's actually 23 now in the collection. We're going to have an intervention. No, but our old producer here on the show, Lori Mack, got me one piece of a modular set that you can plug other ones into. That From you... cooker to cooker? Yeah, yeah. You can plug Very three cool. in each, but I have seven now. So you so string I'm building... them like Christmas lights? Yeah, you lights? string them like Christmas lights. Absolutely. How cool is that? <laughs> I love the so slow t- cooker. So talk about tailgating, right? You can make six different dishes, seven different dishes. You need to be able to control yeah. it from your iPhone. Yeah, or... that's coming, right? <laughs> so... <A> Bluetooth. <laughs> Bluetooth. <laughs> Come on, huh? Let's do that. Uh. There'd be 24. Tell us about this dish because bratwurst is quintessential Oktoberfest food. Yeah. And this is what I like to call a no-cook recipe because you literally just take everything that's in this and put it in the crock pot. When I first got my first crock pot, I messed up a lot of recipes because – you can't make everything in a crock pot by just dumping all the ingredients in there. You have to really think about what you're going to use and why crock pot number 14, 15, and 16 <laughs> are the ones that you can actually take the insert and put on the stove. Yeah, so for searing. Yeah. But most of mine are the ones that you just put stuff in set on. Are so, they numbered? Yes, they are. <laughs> 
with them. I have organized. Dude, I have metro shelves for them. (laughs) Let me give a quick rundown. Chris's recipe, of course, like all recipes that we feature on the show, will be on foodschmooze.org. But let's just go through real quick. We're talking about bratwurst, a bag of sauerkraut that you can get at the store, Mm -hmm. diced onion, a can of beer, salt, pepper, sugar, thyme, and vinegar. So super simple. These are pantry staples. Look for good ingredients. I bought a really good bratwurst. You Mm -hmm. can find them in all markets now, right? Especially this time of year. If you want to take it up a step, my recipe calls for the bad sauerkraut. But this time of year, you can find the fresh stuff in jars. That's really good. They're usually in the deli area. Refrigerated. Yeah, refrigerated. Bot Temple is one of the brands. Check Uh, out some of the uh, the Polish uh, delis. They make killer sauerkraut. What's that, Roly-Poly in uh, New Britain? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's like the capital of the Polish mm. delis. They make amazing stuff. So fresh sauerkraut, mm-hmm. maybe just a little bit better, but you can make this with both. It's totally fine. So basically, bratwurst goes in the bottom of the slow cooker. I toss in the onions on top of that. The sauerkraut, I rinse it if it's the bag stuff. Throw it right on top of the sausage and onion. I pour in my beer. I use Oktoberfest this time. A little bit of salt, just a pinch. Black pepper, more you like the spice, the more you add. The teeniest bit of sugar, some thyme, and a splash of vinegar. And then that was it. And I put the top on it, set it on low. I put it in there last night when I went to bed around 1. And this morning it was ready. And the house smelled like Oktoberfest. (laughs) I came down the stairs and I'm like, what is, oh yeah. Yeah. I need a a beer. (laughs) I need a beer. (laughs) You know, we didn't even talk about mustard. I make a quick mustard sauce for my bratwurst sandwiches, mm. and I take two different kinds. I take a whole grain mustard and a Dijon mustard, okay. and I mix it with a little sour cream, and I throw in some chili pepper. Yeah, that sour was really cream. good. Spread that on there. Serve it with fresh pickles. But oh. then you put those Hungarian oh, wax yeah. uh, pickled peppers on there. My yeah. chef is pickling everything in sight that because really brightened it it's, up. it's fall, right? And the farms are emptying out, like literally emptying out and sending us pounds and pounds of stuff. This year we got seven, 800 pounds of tomatoes to make sauce. I think my chef Brian ended up making 15 gallons of that pickled banana pepper. Oh. And that's the stuff we use all winter. And you right? can mm-hmm. save that. Oh, the, oh we make, make salad dressing. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, it's so, so funny how these stuff. delicious foods are stuff that's like, it's the preservation, like we talked yeah. about before, but that's what makes the delicacy, right? That's what it's makes all it like, great. Oh, my But gosh. this is what fall food is because, because this is the time. Because the this time is the time of year. Yeah. Like Jason was saying about preserving cheese, this is uh, October food or fall food or tailgating food mm. is usually stuff like that. Jason. Tailgate with me. I'm not, I'm not like, getting out of the car. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a crazy. I'm not a. I'm not a, like an avid football fan. Yeah, yeah. You know, Connecticut's weird. Are you just Giants, Jets, Patriots, UConn? UConn. Uh-huh. I went to Providence College in BU. See, so. I'm a UConn. Um, but what I love is I love being outside this time of year. I love the fall. I love the, the autumn. Dust I love the crisp, going by, yeah, the blue crisp sky. air. Like, I, if you're gonna ask me the to grill, turning. sure, I love grilling in the mm. summer. But I like being next to a hot grill. When it's nice and crisp out, I got like a long sleeve light T-shirt on. And this is the time when we can really throw your brats on the grill, grill a bunch of onions. Let's grill some pears. Let's grill some apples and throw Mm -hmm. them with that camembert and cheddar. People don't realize that. You can can grill anything. Fruit and apples. Absolutely. They grill up amazing. If you have friends that are hunters, this is like when people are going hunting. So you're starting to get like bird game. Venison. Venison. Oh. Oh, venison. Venison sausage. Yeah, that's so that's I have a recipe that I do with kielbasa, going back to Polish, and I take kielbasa, I put them on the grill, and then with that I chop up onions, toss them in a little oil, salt, pepper and some dried herbs, put that on the grill, 
and peppers, put that on the grill. Then I take everything off the grill when it's done, and I chop it all, throw it in a bowl, and I call it my uh, fall kielbasa salad. That's one of my that favorite. Sounds great. Oh, wow. So it's like this grilled vegetable and kielbasa. I toss in a little balsamic vinegar, Throwing any some beans olive in? oil. You can. That's what I'm saying. Or any vegetable. Bean. Peppers, green beans, zucchini, whatever. And then you just take it all in a bowl. Balsamic, salt, pepper, olive oil, maybe some fresh basil, and then that's your salad. So I'm like that a, on a roll. I'm like a firm believer that this Gouda. time of year is <laughs> – yes, exactly. This is the time of year that your body's trying to get you to put on body fat for winter. you got to yeah. bulk up. I'm working on it. Listen, I'm doing good. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so have you guys ever done – Ready to hibernate. Um, have you done any, any engine block potatoes? Because I have a buddy who yeah. does it and swears by yeah. it. He says it's the best part of tailgating. Yeah. You, you wrap your so potatoes. So engine. Yeah. So basically you, you're going to wrap your potatoes up. Up in foil. Yep. Um, you can either do yep. whole baked potatoes. You can yep. slice them up and make a packet. You throw it on <laughs> Depending there. Depending on how far you have to drive. Well, now this is this is the thing. This is the thing. That depends on how far you're going to drive. But even if you're going to drive a, a yeah. far you know, distance yeah. and then hang out and tailgate for a while, yeah. you throw them on there. It keeps them warm. Yeah. It cooks them on the way. So I'm guessing you can use the tailpipe the same way. You just put it in the tailpipe. Yeah. <laughs> I would no, recommend no, that one. Well, listen, there's whole books written on this. <laughs> wait, wait. When you say you put them on there. On the manifold. There? You put them, you put on them, the manifold. You put them right on the manifold. You should, yes. I have a friend who drives long distance across the country, and he does this all times This a is year. a thing. It's a thing. He I think there fish. might even be a... He takes fish. Out there yeah, there's books on it about he, how to do this. He takes fish and puts it in foil, wraps yep. it butter, lemon, salt, pepper, wrap it in a foil wrap packet, it in a foil packet, throw it on your throw engine. It on the so I feel like we need a disclaimer at this point because I feel like people are going to be going to their right. dealerships, like you know. Well, after listen, this can I see what like, manif- can I see the manifold? <laughs> well, it's Oktoberfest, so we should all be doing like BMWs and Volkswagens. Yeah. <laughs> sure. yes. No, I'm just wondering if you guys had ever done. I personally have it. not, but I have a buddy who's a huge Steelers fan. And he said that that's a big thing in Pittsburgh. Everyone's doing engine block potatoes. They do engine block pizza. I mean, it's it's kind of I a big thing for tailgating. I have never heard of this. Oh, my gosh. Just Google never. it. It is all over so the place. So I, I do and like to tailgate. it your warranty, by the way. <laughs> Alex, Alex keeps his car so pristine he would never cook. God, no. Well, if you want to see how you're doing, you, just, yeah. you put the vents on. You do you smell tests. Smell it. You know. okay. And my friend, he does say that. You smell it. I smell it. You smell yeah. it coming through on the vents. You're like, oh, dinner's almost ready. Uh, <laughs> I know. Or do, would you, like, have your meal and it sort of has these notes of antifreeze? Motor oil. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. So you guys know what the Weber Cube is? So Weber Grill makes a tailgating grill, oh. and it's called the Cube. What is so it? I, I don't know this. It's, a, it's a small Weber gas grill. It's not very big. It sits on your tailgate. Well, I bought the little stand that's on wheels that actually folds down and is the cart Uses the, the green propane tank? Yeah, it uses, or the oh, blue. Okay. Yeah, yep. the little bottles that you screw okay. in there, and that's very portable. Four hours. And let me tell you, I take the thing everywhere. And it's not just for tailgating. You can take it to the beach. So that was part one of my tailgating kit. And then the other one is when a friend turned me on to, you can take your charger in your car, you know, the charging port. Yeah. You can buy an adapter and get it to be a 120 plug. And that's how I take my crock pots. Then your crock pot. So I plug my crock pots in the back. Put the cord in the power charger, and then I now you, you guys need tailgate solar panels. I slow cook on my way. You need solar panels on your car. Solar panels, see, that's go. good to do it. But see, see, there's a whole art to this, and I mean, go online. There's so much stuff you can get for tailgating. Come on, Alex, you do some backyard fall stuff. 
you know, just cooking your driveway. It's no, no, for me, nothing's better than in the, in the fall getting a burn permit and then clearing the brush out of your yard. Okay. And then at the end of the afternoon, you're making baked potatoes wrapped in tinfoil and oh, you're yeah. cooking on the mm-hmm. ashes. And you no, know, it's part of it. It's in our DNA, right? Basically the same thing. Just yeah. we use gasoline. Yeah. And then there's a game afterwards. People shout go in the game. A lot of people just hang out outside. I'm with Jason. I'm not a huge football fan. But I'm going to the tailgate. But the tailgating is like this. It's this culture now. And you can it's have big more party. fun mm-hmm. in the parking lot before the game than you can during so the game. So people are doing chili. Classic is chili, well, right? And, and, you know, people yeah. will go around and they'll share food with you. Yep. You'll oh, look I at the that. guy across the parking lot and he's got something amazing on the grill. And Ribs. it smells good. And you bring over what you've got. And, Ooh. you know, I'm like, you've got new have. friends. You're trying new food. And you're outside. It's, it's this kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Yep, I know nothing about football, but I am in it for the food. Yeah, All right, Robin, totally. I'm with you. Okay, so we don't have a ton of time left, but while we have Jason here, let's have him talk about some of the stuff he's got coming up in October and that he knows about happening around the state because it's some good stuff. Jason, what does your yeah, calendar look around, like? Well, this, yeah, the th- this is the harvest, so we, we've yeah. got just a glut of amazing ingredients and so many cool events. All right, so I am doing a barbecue pop-up. Ooh. at my own bar, Ordinary, where we serve barbecue. But this one's going to be kind of unique. I'm going to bring back Smokebox barbecue dishes. Oh, I love from, Smokebox. From the old Smokebox yeah, in Hamden in that Hamden. we had for a year. We're going to do it on a Sunday, and it's going to be themed after the iconic Tom Cruise movie Cocktail. Love this. So uh, <laughs> there is Am a I showing speech. showing my age? Yes, I know the during, speech. During the movie <laughs> oh, no, uh, where oh, he God. gets up on the bar and goes oh, through yeah. a bunch of different Ray cocktails. Ray-Ban sunglasses. We are going to be featuring those. It's called Barbecue and Dreams. Oh, Tim oh, Carroll will be getting up on the bar. Giving that speech? Giving the speech, making those I iconic video it. cocktails, some of which I can't even pronounce right here on the radio because yep, they're, yep. they're not appropriate. Um, so that <laughs> one you. is that one is Sunday, October 9th. At Ordinary. Come on down that starting at cool. 4 o'clock. Get your uh, teeth whitened beforehand. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Please get your teeth whitened. Bring the Tom wear, wear your best 80s garb. Yeah, I might have um, to go looking in the closet. You, you still have them. I probably still do have them. <laughs> it's going to be fun. On um, on the Sunday, the 23rd of October, I'm going to be at uh, Waldingfield Farm up in uh, Washington, Connecticut, oh, doing um, a Great farm dinner. Mm-hmm. Best. Yeah. Oh, this is a 100% organic farm. It's three generations deep. And if you've never been to Washington, Connecticut, I Mm. highly recommend it. It's like you're transported into Vermont somehow. I live in that Um, area. It's gorgeous. We're going to do a 1 o'clock farm tour um, with beverages and and a little nosh. And then we're going to sit down at 3 p.m. for a nice early dinner. And by the time dinner finishes, we'll be at the highest point in Washington. And we will watch the sunset. It will blow your mind. This is all to benefit... NOFA, uh, the Northeast Organic Farm Association, yeah. uh, which Casius and Blackhog are members of. And Our friend John Terrain. Yep. Yeah. John is awesome. Mm-hmm. And Chris Prosperi, your space, Metro Beast. You guys are doing a cookbook dinner. Oh, yeah. With my cookbook. Jason uh, has a Casius awesome from Marjorie Bistro cookbook. Yeah. Classic bistro dishes. That's just basically a dinner, it, and yeah, you get a book, and, and you, you drink, book, and, and you get to hang out with Jason. And in the I'll be there. I, I called Chris up. I said, yeah. "So what do I do?" He goes, "Come eat and hang out." I was yeah. like, "Oh, that sounds good." Eat. Check out our website. We have yeah. so many classes. That's what I want to start going. The to, classes right? are really fun. Bring a date. You get to meet our cheese buyers, our wine and Ask beer all buyers. The questions. You Every want question about you've cheese. ever wanted to know. Yeah. Remember, 
These are yeah. those second tier cheeses. People leave full and, and smiling. Happy. <laughs> so I've got one for anyone uh, who loves garlic. The 12th annual Connecticut Garlic and Harvest Festival is October 8th and 9th. Nice. Route 61 in Bethlehem, Connecticut. So awesome. And they have a kissing contest right afterwards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Vampires are not welcome. <laughs> Good. So fun. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jason Sobosinski, for saving my guests from yet another boring cheese plate. Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure. The Faith Middleton Food Schmooze is on WNPR Thursdays at 3 and Saturdays at noon. Weekdays, listen for Faith's fun 60-second food schmoozes. I'm Robin Doyon Aiken, signing off for the gang in the WNPR studio in New Haven, where it smells like a funky cheese cave. Thank you for listening. This is the place to enjoy the richness of life. Sharing our local and national discoveries with you makes me want to get up in the morning. The gang and I hope you'll come back soon and often.